Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you can buy a property each time that creates one or two bedrooms, um, you're certainly creating that growth uh, instantly rather than waiting for the market to, to grow. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with international property investor Sam O'Connor. Growing up in New Zealand, he has been surrounded by and involved in property investment his whole life. Keep listening to find out more about his story, strategies to expanding the portfolio as well as some of the ups and downs of his journey so far. O'Connor has been involved in property investing essentially his whole life. I'm originally from New Zealand, um, been working in property investment as a, as a family trust for a, a number of years, almost as young as I can remember. Um, got started getting heavily involved in my teenage years um, throughout university uh, and have carried on through with property investment uh, into my adult life. Having lived and invested in New Zealand for so long, O'Connor only recently made the move to Australia and worked his way up to continue his investment journey. Recently, I've moved over from uh, New Zealand to Australia. So my property investment journey has been based mainly based in um, New Zealand. Uh, recently moved over to Sydney just over a year ago and um, just starting to wanting to replicate the process over here of, of what um, we've done in New Zealand. Um, and so the last the last year has actually been for the first time in a long time is is working um, in a in a day to day job in, in a corporate scene um, mainly just for the purposes of of meeting um, the banking requirements to get a loan in Australia. Uh, and fortunately, it's it's taken a year, and I ma- managed to just get um, the first property in uh, Australia just last week. He explained some of the reasons why he made the big move to Australia. I've been in New Zealand uh, predominantly most of my life and I moved over to Australia just for a bit of a change and also to get into the, the property investment game over here. Um, so yeah, no, Sydney's great. I mean, um, love the weather, um, you know, love the people and uh, lots of great opportunities. And his assessment of Sydney in particular? If you look at the um, the metrics of Sydney in terms of weather, employment, um, growth, um, you know, just business opportunities, um, you know, and, and entertainment, um, you know, it, it certainly um, meets a lot of high benchmarks compared to other cities and countries around the world. O'Connor grew up in New Zealand and was exposed to business and investment from a young age. I was brought up um, just north of Auckland, which is the main city uh, of New Zealand, or the largest city. Um, so I was, I was brought up there. 
um, you know, quite quite an entrepreneurial family. Um, so m- most of my family have, have, you know, mainly been business owners or entrepreneurs in some sense. Uh, and that certainly rubbed off on me from a young age. Uh, and when, when I was very young, um, you know, I was exposed um, to, you know, the grandparents and also the parents of, of property investment uh, and business. And, and from a young age, you know, I was certainly interested in business. Um, and from about, I think I was about 12 years old and I read the, the, the book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by uh, Robert Kawasaki, which is, is, is quite a famous book and quite well known. And it certainly struck a chord where, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that sort of work nine to five their whole life until the 60 and then they retire. And uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book basically stated, you know, if you if you create an investment or business opportunity, um, you will have, you know, financial freedom. So you can decide how you spend your time um, rather than having to work to make ends meet. He explains the type of entrepreneurial ventures that took place in his family. The grandparents, for example, were one of the first to introduce um, motels. Before then, it was it was hotels and uh, sort of B and B type accommodations. And then also, um, as, as a family, my um, parents that they've started the, the property investment journey, and uh, I've I've been involved in that um, as as part of the the trust and um, helped them uh, grow that from when I was around fifteen or sixteen, being involved quite actively uh, and also when I went to university I, I did a bachelor of property degree um, so I managed to really supercharge uh, the the trust portfolio and um, certainly over the last few years um, we've really we've really grown it to quite a substantial size. While his grandparents were involved mainly in commercial real estate, O'Connor and his family stick to residential with an interesting twist. That was in the in the in the grand uh, so the grandpa was the first to do that. But in terms of the, the trust that uh, I'm involved with uh, as, as a co-owner, that's purely um, mainly multi-unit residential. It um, I mean from a bank's perspective, interestingly, once you get to a certain size, so we're up to around 46 uh, rental properties now. They do start to classify you as a commercial, especially um, multi-unit residential. Uh, and so it, it could be classified as a commercial operation, but the, the, the property use is, is residential unit. O'Connor's family will go up against other investors to purchase these multi-unit residential dwellings. All purchases have been um, already built, so it's purely an investment. And um, the, the reason for that is obviously development can create much higher yields, um, but then there's always the, the risk of you know overcapitalizing or um, budget blowout. So it's always been uh, buy and hold uh, investments. And um, it, it started from when I was, um, you know, quite young at around 10, 10 years old. And then, um, you know, that's and I started getting involved at a point from, from then on. The units, um, you know, with, with multi-unit um, properties, um, the great thing about it is quite often there is less um, potential buyers in the market. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're, you know, if you're trying to buy a, a two-bedroom or a three-bedroom house, there's a lot of potential buyers. There's owner-occupiers, there's investors. Um, but if you purchase a block of units, typically you're only competing with other investors. Um, so we've found buying blocks of units definitely um, means there's higher yields um, available. Um, and and also there's quite um, because they're often investment 
owned by other investors, quite often they are run down. So there can be great um, value add-ons by purchasing blocks of units uh, and doing them up. After being surrounded by all his life, O'Connor decided to study property at university. It was a four-year degree um, and I did a Bachelor of Property and so so the family trust um, operated quite well and the benefits I really I brought on board which helped a lot more after university was um, particularly the law side of things, um, also the, the marketing, uh, the, some, some accounting as well, but also just the scope of thinking um, a lot larger. So the Bachelor of Property degree I did was, was, was worthwhile and it included basically development, finance, marketing, construction and law. Um, so by, by bringing that academic um, side to, to the trust, it certainly helped grow it uh, more substantially. While still studying, O'Connor took up work opportunities with development companies to expand his knowledge and skill set. I decided to work um, for a couple of um, development companies and investment companies through university holidays. And, and the reason for that was just to get a little bit more exposure to other uh, entities and, and how they worked. Um, so uh, it, it was great in terms of understanding more of a, a corporate nature. So even though I'm not a, a big fan of corporate type work, I think, you know, there's no harm in, in working for some of these large um, investment and development companies and uh, picking out the best parts of it, which you can bring back to your own portfolio. Even now, O'Connor often makes sure to keep himself educated on the market and legislation that affect him and his business. I'm also a fan of, you know, um, you know, doing yearly catch-ups with a solicitor and an accountant. And even if there's nothing specifically to talk about, it's just uh, a generic talk, you know, what, what new changes have happened in the market, what new um, legislations might be occurring or about to occur. Um, so I think unless you force yourself to expose yourself to, to um, other people's opinions uh, and advice, then, you, you know, you may just stay stuck in your, in your way of thinking. He describes how his family were able to grow their portfolio and the ways in which they were able to add value to their properties. The trust has been going since I was 10 years old and I, I became involved once I was about 16 or 17. Uh, so it grew, it's grown from about 10 to about 40, 46 in that time. And that's also through, um, you know, really supercharging um, equity. And uh, what we've found certainly in, in our last few purchases is that the easiest way and the quickest way to grow equity uh, we've found is by the creation of bedrooms. Um, so quite often, you know, council consents or building consents are not required. But by the creation of bedrooms to a unit, um, it can, you know, instantly create um, uh, higher cash flow through rent. And that, um, you know, obviously means you get a higher equity. So we're able to, you know, refinance and use the increased equity as deposits on more property. Uh, and I think it's certainly something that uh, a lot of people don't take into consideration when they view a property. And uh, you know, so quite often when we walk through a property now, um, as well as looking at the condition of the property structurally and all that type of thing, it's also looking at, well, is that lounge, you know, big enough to be able to, to dice off another room? Uh, and, and it may sound uh, quite trivial, you know, it may only add an extra 100 or or $200 a week in rent. 
but at a five percent return, that you know that's anywhere from fifty to eighty thousand dollars in increased equity. So if you can buy a property each time that creates one or two bedrooms, um, you're certainly creating that growth uh, instantly rather than waiting for the market to to grow. Sometimes there may be barriers to accomplishing this, but it can work quite well for houses. One of the issues is this, if, if you if you're buying an apartment and you're not buying the whole block, then um, sometimes there is strata. Um, you know, strata approval is required. Um, but certainly for houses where, you know, you, you've got sole um, decision-making power, then the creation of bedrooms is certainly something that people should um, really focus on if they are looking to, you know, cash, wanting to get cash flow properties and uh, instant equity gain. Coming up after the break, hear more about why Okana started his investment journey. I have always had a very strong interest. So um, from a very young age, it's always been, you know, uh, reading the, the property magazines, the property books. The role he plays now in his family's ventures? It's certainly um, my father and myself seem to be the ones um, that that do most of the sort of work. As well as how and why Okana keeps himself educated all the time? There's different um, ways of, of, of doing things that may not have been possible six months ago or a year ago. All that and much more coming up next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. O'Connor has always been drawn to studying and working in property due to his keen interest in his family's ventures since childhood. I have always had a very strong interest. So um, from a very young age, it's always been, you know, uh, reading the, the property magazines, the property books. And and quite often when it's, you know, even when I'm on holiday, um, that is the type of information that, that excites me. Um, and uh, it's never too healthy, but sometimes, you know, if it's 1 a.m. in the morning and I wake up, I, I'll start scrolling through listings online uh, <laughs> to see what's available. So um, I think, I think, you know, naturally, I've, I've always had a passion, and it just so ha- it just so happened that um, you know the family business was also involved in in that. Uh, but also, the, you know, I, I I think a lot of people are usually um, are quite interested in, in in what their parents have done, uh, and quite often continue in that field. And that certainly for me uh, has happened. These days, himself and his father play key figures in their family trust and portfolio. My father looks after actual quite a, quite a few of the um, repairs and maintenance and renovations and refurbishments, more as a project manager role, so sort of overseeing the people that come in and, and, and get things done. Um, and my, my mother's a little bit more hands-off. She sort of has a more day-to-day type role. Uh, and then the, uh, my other sibling is, is not involved at all. So um, it's it's some involvement, but it's certainly um, my father and myself seem to be the ones um, that that do most of the sort of work and most of the investigations in terms of purchasing and new purchases. O'Connor shares a story about learning to invest with your head rather than your heart. In the earlier days, um, you know, maybe having emotion rather than, um, you know, dealing base, you know, basing it purely on figures and uh, demographics. So, you know, one purchase was a, a, you know, a beautiful spot, which was, um, I was on, you know, it was beachfront, um, beachfront property, and you know, a, as a property, very nice. But surprisingly, that's that's always, um, you know, not had a very good yield, um, and and no properties near the CBD, uh, even though they may not be as nice uh, to look at, 
have always performed a lot better. So certainly, um, you know, not looking into demographics and infrastructure projects in the area um, and uh, closeness to amenities, including schools and, and, and certainly the CBD uh, in the early days. Um, and so certainly now it's, it's a lot more location-based uh, rather than uh, what what looks nice or what's beachfront or what what the, the character of the home looks like, it's it's a lot more, um, I suppose, investment business focused rather than emotional. He further explains how he learned this lesson. It was as a two bedroom home, and uh, you know, as a lot of coastal properties do, because they are desirable for people to live in. Um, quite often, the value compared to the yield is, you know, the yields usually very, very low. And that, this was the case. Uh, and it was also a property where, um, you know, there was no value creation. So it was, it was so small that, you know, our usual criteria where we can add bedrooms wasn't possible um, without having to go through a massive, you know, consenting process. And I mean, the, the, the yield now, it's because over time, you know, over, over 15 years now, it's, it has become to a point where, you know, it's cash flow positive and, and, and it looks after itself. But um, for, for, for quite some time, you know, there was very little growth in terms of in terms of yield. Uh, and, you know, that certainly can hinder um, being able to purchase more properties quickly. At the time, capital growth wasn't as stable in this suburb as perhaps it was closer to the CBD. Over the long term, it has had capital growth. But of course, when the market goes quiet, um, so in the early days when the market was a bit quieter um, and it wasn't in the boom time, then, um, you know, that the, the, the property quickly dropped in value. And um, so, you know, if, we, if we'd purchased more closer to the CBD, uh, there wasn't as much fluctuation. Um, and it's a bit like fair sections, you know, quite often when, when the market does slow down or, or, or a bit, bit of a downturn, quite often sections are one of the first properties to uh, drop in value and quite often also coastal properties because um, if, because that you know, quite often coastal property is seen as more of a luxury rather than a necessity. O'Connor shares a positive moment that he feels changed his trajectory on his journey. I think um, one of the best moments is uh, that I can recall is is you know really having an intensive um, talk with a, uh, a solicitor and really structuring things in the best way possible to make things so um, they were as, as safe as possible, so limiting risk as much as possible, but also in a way where, um, you know, if we were getting more loans uh, from banks, that, you know, they weren't getting as much um, uh, equity or security over the properties um, as as they'd like. So, you know, a solicitor can certainly, um, well, a solicitor in our case certainly helped us in terms of, Making sure we had the right ownership structures, but also making sure that we knew um, exactly which um, mortgages bank, you know, which mortgages uh, the, the bank held over certain properties, and we could move more mortgages around to release equity in other properties if we wanted to. He emphasises how getting himself educated was really important to move forward. I think you know, and, and quite often, unless you seek information, um, you, you won't find it. So. Um, you know, I, there's a lot, lot of investors, for example, or, or, or home buyers that buy properties in their, in their own name, and um, quite often it might be a lot more better to have it in a, in a trust for, for either tax reasons or to, you know, make your asset more secure from creditors. So, um, you know, I found, I found, started listening to podcasts, um, uh, reading a lot more magazines as well, 
quite often, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of these magazines, you know, they do mention, um, you know, ways of making things more efficient. So basically just through education, um, forcing myself to, to learn more and, um, and taking action on, on what I'd read and learned. O'Connor has very specific professionals that he turns to regularly for advice. I'm always, always of the belief that, um, you know, to, to regularly be in contact with both uh, an accountant and also a solicitor. Um, and, and the reason for that is even if everything's good now, you may find in six months' time there, there, there's better things um, that, can, that can happen, especially because the laws are changing uh, all the time. There's different um, ways of, of, of doing things that may not have been possible six months ago or a year ago. Um, and, uh, you know, I've certainly spent a lot on lawyers and solicitors, but in the, in the long run, um, what, what we've paid them compared to what we've either saved or, or, or managed to create in value um, far exceeds that cost. Yeah, these aren't the only professionals O'Connor looks to for advice when it comes to purchasing. I think, you know, for, for someone to, um, you know, to, to get approval and to go buy a property, I mean, it's a good achievement, but it's not, it's not rocket science. I think, you know, it's finding the right property that's going to meet your long-term goals. Um, and most people's goals are, you know, in, in, you know uh, increasing an in income from the property and in, increasing the value of the property. So um, that due diligence is, is very important. And, you know, for some people, either A, they don't have the time to do that because they're working so much in their day-to-day job, or two, they're just not willing to do it because because um, of the work involved or, or, or possibly the, the ability to do the research. So, um, you know, the, the property I've just purchased last week in Sydney, you know, I used, I used a buyer's agent for that property. And even though it cost me about uh, $12,000 to use this buyer's agent, this, this buyer agent, you know, they, they really knew the demographics uh, of the areas, they knew how many um, properties in that in a certain suburb were renters versus owner occupiers. They knew um, future infrastructure projects that were happening in the area, in terms of transport. Um, they knew the the um, demographics of the type of people that lived there. So were they um, you know unemployed or were they uh, workers? What their incomes were, where they were from, and also past. Um, history of the of, of suburbs so what what has been the growth over the last 40 years for example per annum on, on average uh, so th- those are the sort of things um, that I look at but if I uh, don't know a, a certain area very well then you know I'm willing to pay for that advice to, to get someone that really does um, so it's about I suppose you know spending money to make money. Um, and not just going in blind because, um, you know, it can be very easy to go buy a property and, you know, some, some place 50k out from, from the CBD or the city, uh, and you just don't see any growth for 10 years. Or, or worse still, you, you know, someone that goes and buys in, in a mining town where, um, it goes negative equity and they can't rent the place out. So I, I certainly think, um, if, if you, if you're not willing to do the due diligence yourself, then, um, don't, you know, you should, you should pay someone that really knows this stuff. Join us on a future episode of Property Investory where we continue the conversation with Sam O'Connor to learn more about his investment strategies. The first property is typically always the hardest and then it slightly gets easier and easier as time goes on. Information about his portfolio? So the total portfolio is probably around the $10 million mark. As well as the best advice he could give to others? I think um, number one is is being ethical and um, honest. 
um, you know, the world's a very small place now. And that's next time on a future episode of Property Investory.